Our scripture reading for today is Luke 2, 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. Thanks, Caitlin. Well, my name is Nate. Good to be with you this morning. Um, So when we moved here in 2010, uh, I started working at Starbucks. And um, one of the things that happened in this time of year was I was working the counter, and then I heard these loud screams. And it was three to four college, I'm guessing freshman women, and they had seen the red cups were on display at Starbucks. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? There's a day where it changes from white to red, and they were just so excited because this time of year meant something to them. You know, um, not too long ago, uh, I was looking back at some of the videos of kind of the moments of, some of the moments our kids open presents, like not just the small ones, but like the big ones. And um, there was a moment, I won't say who, but there's definitely some screaming that happened, like intense screaming of happiness. Um, There's one of just complete silence, because they were just in awe of what they got. Um, And you know, a lot of the kids in this room, right? Like you're looking forward to those moments. Uh, I also think about this, um, for many of us, uh, this time of year, we get to gather with friends and family in moments of great food and good drink, and we love those times. Those are, those are moments of great happiness, of great joy. But there's also another side of this time of year. Um, there's also, this time of year brings both it pain and hardship, You know, think for a moment, some of you right now, uh, this time of year is when you remember those who are no longer with you anymore. 
You've lost a loved one, and this time of year, just absolutely, it just, it highlights it that much more, how much you miss them. Or for others of us, we're going to be with family. And let's be honest, sometimes it's nice to not live near family, right? And going to family means that actually we're going to spend time with people where there might be past hurt or broken relationships, and it's hard. Um, I read a stat this last week that 88% of people during this time of year report feeling stressed. I don't know who the 12% are, but apparently there are 12%. Um, <clears throat> there's another stat that said um, the average couple will have seven arguments this time of year. So if you have a significant other, how are you doing? Are you above average, below average? Well, with all the emotions of the season, I want us to reflect in this passage on what we hear in this first Christmas with the angelic beings announcing this in verse 10. They say this, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And I want to zero in this morning on that aspect of great joy. And I want you to think for a moment, because this is a different kind of joy than we're used to. Let me put it this way. It is a joy that supersedes red cups. It, it is a joy that supersedes, that is greater than the best gift you've ever received. And then secondly, it's also a joy that doesn't, how do I say this? It, it isn't the sappy optimism that kind of downplays hardships. It's actually a joy that meets us right in the midst of those hardships. And so as we consider this joy this morning, I want to do it this way. I want to look at each of the characters, and each of the characters give us a lens of what to do with this joy. So we're going to look at Jesus, we're going to look at Mary, and we're going to look at the shepherds. So let me pray and we'll get in. Father, this morning, just pray that as we encounter this news of great joy, that you would restore to us, or maybe for the first time, grant us this, this joy of your salvation. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, Jesus, you know, um, he's actually the reason for this joy. In verse 10, the news is announced. Verse 11 this is, this is the reason for it. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Luke is saying the reason, the source of the great joy all comes down to a birth announcement. Did you catch that? You know, some of you, many of you, maybe all of you have experienced where you get news of someone you know, someone you love, they're going to have a baby, and because you know them, because you love them, you are excited. You can't wait to meet this one. But what's interesting is that this is news about this baby, and the question is, what is so significant about it? Some of us, we're, we're very familiar with this story, but consider this, okay? 
when these people heard this announcement, they had a long history of account of this God. This God who had made this world. This, this God who had loved this world, and yet humanity had rebelled against this God. And then in the midst of all that, he had made a promise. He had made a promise that he was going to come and restore all that had been lost. And here's what this means. Think about this. If you have ever longed for peace in a world of strife, the prophet Isaiah says that this king would be the prince of peace. Or think for a moment, have you ever longed for justice? Have you ever looked out at the world and said, that's not fair? The prophet spoke of this king coming and bringing about a world of justice, one in which the poor, the brokenhearted, the downtrodden, the imprisoned would be set free. Or how about this one? Have you ever wondered if God really cared about you? Have you ever wondered if you had run from him far too long, failed too many times, and that he had given up? The prophet spoke of a time in which God would come and comfort his people. Not because they were good, but because he was good. And that this king would make a way home to him. And friends, the reason for this great joy is the news of this birth announcement is that the king has come, that this Jesus, he is the Christ, he is the Savior. That's, that's the titles of this king, that he's come in faithfulness to God's promises and he's come to set things right. That's the reason for the joy, this great joy. But how about Mary for a moment? Imagine in the story, there you are, you have your new son in your arms, and you get a knock at the door. And there are shepherds at the door. You don't know them. They don't know you. But they've shown up. And the shepherds come to Mary and they tell Mary what the angels told them. We just heard, this baby, this is the Christ, this is the Savior. And notice what Mary does. In verse 19, it says this, she ponders. She ponders, she treasures up all these things and she ponders. And I want to spend a few moments pondering because oftentimes we know the news, but we fail to see how it relates to the very circumstances of our lives. And I want to talk for a moment, ponder for a moment about how the news of Jesus actually speaks to our suffering. And to be a little bit more specific, maybe it's an illness for you. Maybe it is loss of a loved one. Maybe it's simply aging. Maybe it's the juggernaut of a grad program that has just got you down. Perhaps it's a broken relationship, an unmet desire like desire to be married or have children. Maybe it's a financial hardship. Maybe it's a really hard family life. Maybe it's experiencing a form of racial injustice. 
Or maybe it's simply a demanding boss at work. Or maybe it's just a difficult season of parenting. What does this news of Jesus' arrival mean for us, mean for you? Let's ponder for a moment. Let me put it this way. One of the things that Jesus' arrival means is that suffering is not the way this world was meant to be. Um, In Buddhism, for example, suffering is an illusion. It's not really there. You just have to realize that it's not real. But notice this, when Jesus shows up to bring about peace, justice, and a way back to God, he is saying something very real about this world, that suffering is real. If you go back in the story, the reason why suffering is in this world, it goes back to when our parents rebelled against God and everything else fell apart. And Jesus showing up demonstrates that this world matters to him. That this world matters. Think about that for a moment. You know, it's why, for example, the Apostle Paul in Romans, one of the things he talked about is simply this, to weep with those who weep. Not necessarily give the answer, but to weep with those who weep. Because suffering is real. Do you know that? But, but secondly, news of Jesus' arrival actually means that suffering is purposeful. Um, you know, in our present moment, we live in an age where it's kind of like this. We're here by accident. One day the sun is going to burn up and everything is going to be forgotten. That's the broader secular mindset. And if that's true, then you should avoid suffering at all cost, right? Avoid all cost. But in Christianity, when the news of Jesus' son shows up, when he comes, you know what that means? There's something very different going on. In James chapter 1, James says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And um, that, those two words, various kinds, that's like a bucket that whatever you're facing, you just put it right there. That's what, that's what James is doing. Here's a bucket. What's hard in life? You put it there. And James says, count it all joy. Hold on. Well, wait, James, are you, are, you, are you saying that financial hardship I should count as joy? Or how about this? When I am sick, are you, are you saying I should count that as joy? Or how about when things are really hard in my marriage, or I'm really lonely, am I supposed to count that as joy? James, what are you saying here? Well, let me put it this way, friends. James is not a masochist. He's not someone who's saying, yes, those circumstances are great. You should rejoice in the circumstances. But James says, here's the reason why you should count it joy. In verses 3 and 4, he says this, For you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And do you know what this means? It means Christian. No matter what comes in your life, 
God is actually at work in the midst of your suffering. Put it this way, do you know how a diamond's made? It's 100 miles under the earth, it's carbon deposits, and it's intense heat, and it's pressure, and it's temperature, and what does it do? Over time, it creates what? An exquisite, valuable stone that people pay thousands for, because it's beautiful. You see, the story of Christianity is actually that that's what's happening when suffering shows up in your life. Uh, Not too long ago, um, I was talking with a mom, and prior to being a mother, she had walked through the loss of a couple pregnancies. And one of the things she said was, it is truly a refining time. And one of the things she talked about is as she reflected on Christ's coming, about this news, here's where she was digging in. Number one, she said she knew she was loved. That the reason she had not experienced motherhood yet was not because she had done anything wrong. Or that the others that had experienced motherhood had done something right. And she said this, in fact, she said, God is a good father and he's not punishing or withholding from you. Friends, do you understand what's happening there? In the midst of a good desire, in the midst of a great time of waiting, what's being formed? I'll tell you this, one of the things you'll see in this person's life is deep empathy that was not there before. Another thing is there is this freedom from circumstantial highs and lows, but a poise that actually enables her not to grow in bitterness and envy. But friends, that happens over time. It's in the midst of that ache So, listen, whatever you're facing, ponder for a moment. Because of Jesus' arrival, do you understand? Whatever you're facing, whatever hardship, there's actually purpose in it. He's making you into something beautiful. If if you respond appropriately, if you respond in trust, if you understand what he's done for you and who he is. But thirdly, suffering is on borrowed time. Uh, there's an expiration date. You know, um, the, the account in Luke, it culminates, it culminates in the death of Jesus, in his resurrection. And the news is this, is this is how this king comes and defeat, defeats everything that is our enemies, truly underneath our sin and death itself. And the promise is that he will return one day and he will make all things right. You know, there's a line in that great hymn, Joy of the World, we sing this time of year, that Jesus comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Do you know what this means? It means this ultimately. In the midst of our suffering, Jesus does not ignore it, but he enters into it. He actually comes to do something about it. 
There's a, um, there's a story told, a legend perhaps, but St. Teresa of Avila, one day, the devil appeared to her, and the devil had disguised himself as Christ. And Therese wasn't fooled for even a second. And she immediately dismissed him. But before leaving, the devil asked her, how did you know? How did you know that I wasn't the Christ? And her answer was this. You don't have any wounds. Christ has wounds. Do you understand what this means in the tension that we live in this season, of the now and the not yet, of that he's come, but that he's coming again? Here's what you can know, even in the present moment, in the midst of your suffering. You know that, you know that it's not because he doesn't care. He's got wounds. You know he's for you. Friends, you understand, we just spent a few moments doing what Mary did, pondering, pondering the arrival related to suffering. Do you understand how significant that is? That's, she could not get it out of her mind. Friends, that's what we are to do this Christmas season. We are to ponder. But lastly, let's look at the shepherds. So we can't just ponder. Uh, in verse 15, in verse 15, we read this. When the angels went away from them into the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. What do they do with the news? They go see if it's true. Listen, a couple different thoughts this morning about where some of you might be. The first is some of you might be here and you're exploring Christianity. You got invited by a friend, you lost a bet, and you're here, and you're like, this, I don't know what to think about this. In fact, you might be saying something like this, this sounds way too good to be true. But I want, to, I want you to consider something. Uh, C.S. Lewis, one of the things about this, he was an Oxford professor, and he was very familiar with all the legends and myths of the day. He had read all of them. And then C.S. Lewis started to read the Gospels, like Luke. And he said this, I know what they, speaking of legends, are like, and I know not one of them is like this. And the reason he said it was because in the first part of this section, you'll see a list of rulers, historical figures, Caesar Augustus, Quirinius, and in other words, he said there's two options you have for reading this passage. The first is either this is the reportage of actual events, or secondly, some unknown writer in the first, second century without known predecessors or successors suddenly anticipated the whole technique of modern novelistic realistic narrative. Now, I know that was a mouthful, that second one, okay? But here's what Lewis is saying. He's saying this, do you understand? In our world today, we have people who write books that are fiction that go back to real events and real people 
And it's, it says in the book, it's, it's fiction, it's not true, but we're going to go back to a time in which these events actually happened. But do you understand, that genre was not invented till like a couple hundred years ago. Do you get it? And Lewis said this, he, he's so helpful, he said, the reader who does not see this has simply not learned to read. So, <laughs> friends, if you're, if you're exploring Christianity today, can, can, can I just challenge you to doubt your doubts? To spend a season in which you explore Christianity to see if it's actually true. It might mean just hanging out with a friend who brought you here. It might mean coming to Redeemer City on Sundays or joining the city group. Whatever it might mean, um, this news is so great. Would you follow what the shepherds did with great haste? Secondly, some of you here this morning, you hear this great news and you think, is it really for me? Um, Notice in this account who God shows up and tells first. It's shepherds. Uh, Randy Elkhorn writes this. He says, shepherds stood on the bottom rung of the Palestinian social ladder. They share the same unenviable status as tax collectors and dung sweepers. Do you understand what just happened in the story? This great event has happened, and God doesn't get the elite together. He doesn't get the social media influencers together. He goes to the bottom, and he tells them first. And that means this. When verse 10, when it says this joy is for all people, that is not just a nice marketing campaign. It's not just a nice slogan. The very fact that God shows up with angels and announces it to shepherds means this. He's getting the news out to everyone. And he begins at the bottom. And this morning, uh, you might think that maybe you are a nobody. You're not that important. You're not that significant. And maybe that's because of relationships around you. But I want you to understand something. The very fact that the shepherds were the first ones that were told means that you matter. Do you know that? That you matter to him. And it means coming to him with nothing and putting your faith in this Jesus and literally leaving with everything. Being reconciled back to God. Being given resource in his spirit to walk out a new life. Do you know that? It's all in here. It's all in him. And lastly, notice how the shepherds respond in verse 20, and we'll be done. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. 
You know, I guarantee um, next, let's see, two weeks from now, we'll gather on the first, and I can't wait to talk to the kids, you know, because I'm going to say, what did you get for Christmas? And they're going to tell me, right, the best thing they got. They're not going to shut it down. It's going to be very easy. I won't have to like, will you please just tell me? No, they're going to describe it and I'm going to, I just can't wait, right? When, listen, when you have great news and when you're given a great gift, the natural response is to respond. The, the shepherds respond is simple, it's just worship. That's how they respond. You know, um, in the 1700s, there was a composer and on the majority of his music, he put three initials, S, D, G. And it was short for the Latin, sola deo gloria, to God alone be the glory. That musician was Johann Sebastian Bach. Heard of him? <laughs> kind of a big deal, right? But don't you understand, the, the news of this arrival, the news of the gospel, so penetrated his life that actually his, his gift to the world, like how he was made, who he was, it was marked by this intent that you would see God's glory. Listen, this is how, the, this, is how this news transforms you. You no longer live for yourself. You live for another You get to show how great he is. Think about it for a moment. In your vocation, whatever it might be, think about it. Your mark is to put SDG on what you do. That means to work with an integrity that points to the faithfulness of the God who's made you and has saved you. Think about it. in your relationships, if God has made peace with you, to put SDG on those relationships means you pursue in patient love and wisdom those who are even at odds with you. Think for a moment about your time. It means you learn to think about how you spend your time in such a way to serve those around you that it's not about you, but it's actually about God and about serving others. It changes your calendar. Or how about your finances? All of a sudden you begin to realize when you are changed by this gospel, you want others to experience this gospel and that will change your budget. The disciples returned and all they could do was worship. And all of that was grounded in one thing. News of great joy. Brothers and sisters, the king has come. Let's rejoice. Let's pray. Father, we pray this morning in the midst of all the, the glitz and the distractions at times, uh, 
in the midst of all that we face, uh, we simply pray that you would restore to us the joy of your salvation. Father, in the midst of this season, by your spirit, would you make that real in our lives? And through us, would you help us to respond in worship? In Christ's name, amen.